What's up, fellow podcasters? This is Moses Marquez, the man behind Smartmark Radio Podcast Network. Let's be honest here. Do you want to make money from your podcast? Who doesn't, right? Well, thanks to Podcorn.com, it's beyond simple. I found this site and decided, let's just see how easy it really is. And can I just say, it's beyond easy? You pitch your ad to wanting companies, you hit them with a price, and boom, just like that, you're making money. There's a plethora of companies to choose from and lots of ways to get hired by them. They offer ad reads, interviews, tropical discussions, reviews, and a heck of a lot more. We want to thank Podcorn for sponsoring this episode. And you can easily explore sponsorship opportunities and start making money with your podcast. Just sign up now at podcorn.com forward slash podcasters. Again, that website is podcorn.com forward slash podcasters. going on everybody rwt family smr podcast listeners as elimination chamber goes on in the background we're ready to do some retro because that's how we do and by we of course i mean me and my co-host that's always here the one the only the dead man paul morales what's going down paul what is up mr moses marquez nothing doing a little double duty watching a show reviewing a show how we do you know busting the hump so everybody's week is going to be awesome with all kinds of uh, stuff. But anyway, let's not waste no fucking time. Let's get into these retro shows, shall we? We shall. Sure, why not? Why not? Sure's. Sure's and why not? All right, June 3rd, 1996, episode 41 of the Retro Rewind. This is uh, episode 162, however, of WWF Monday Night Nitro from Fayetteville, North Carolina. The show starts off with a quick recap of Oddman Johnson going crazy after Do- uh, Goldust gave him mouth to mouth last week. Goldust laying. Hold per- on a second. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. Did you just call this Monday Nitro and you're doing Raw? Oh shit! I did. I did. <laughs> I, I'm so terrible with the Monday Night part. Like I'm the worst. So that's right. Monday Night Raw. WWF's Monday Night Raw. There, you better. You happy now? You feel more yeah? Happy? So I'm so happy right now because you know what? You actually corrected yourself. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyways, so Goldust laying provocatively on the couch with an open robe and the icy title covering his genitals tells Oddman Johnson if he wants his title to come and get it, but you know more like Goldust. So King and Vince are ringside, and uh, they announce that Gorilla Monsoon has set a match for the IC title at King of the Ring. Oddman Johnson will get a shot at Goldust, and Oddman says, uh, or King says, Oddman's going to kiss his career goodbye. And then we open up the show with the first round, uh, first round King of the Ring match: Stone Cold Steve Austin versus Sparkplug Bob Holly. I was waiting to see when we were going to see some more Sparkplug Bob Holly after he got choked out the week before by Oddman, who was going bananas in the back. 
Anyway, we get footage from the pay-per-view in your house, the second one showing Savio Vega beating Stone Cold Steve Austin in the Caribbean strap match. That meant Ted DiBiase is now out of the WWF. King says that Goldust's actions was one of a hero. He says that he saves that man's life, the King says. He should be grateful. Vince blows him off. Vince says, we'll, we will see some pay-per-view footage of the power outage. The match is pretty boring. Then Austin works over the leg. We're back to a hold until Holly breaks out of it. It goes back and forth for a little bit. They trade chops in the corner. Then a hip toss into a chin lock by Holly. Austin makes a comeback, hitting a big backbreaker and a second rope forearm. But Holly kicks out. Austin sends Holly outside. And then they go back in. He works over Holly. They're fighting all over the place. He learns to outsmart him. Holly kicks him in the face, which leads to another near fall. We go to commercial break, and when we come back, Goldust is on the couch again, but it's like right before we go back, he's just like sitting there. We just get like a, like a couple second glimpse of him just bam in the commercial, and I'm like, that was fucking weird. Then Holly uh, makes a comeback, sending Austin into the turnbuckle, then gets posted, strikes into the corner, and we get a few before he gets shoved. Uh, before he gets shoved off, Austin goes right into the Million Dollar Dream. It was just a match that was kind of there. I wrote way too much. Uh, I still give it a two. It was there. A lot of holds. A lot of comeback spots, too. It was like they were giving it a bunch of time, and they didn't know how to handle it. So this is Austin looking good on the road to the 316 speech. What'd you rate this thing? I gave it a one. Simply because I thought Austin could have been I I don't know why I just thought this was like one of those like slow matches. And slow it just indeed. Like seemed like slow and slow and boring. And I wish it, I wish they would have picked up the pace just a little bit more. You know, given it, you know, something to kind of stand on. But hey, it's good for an opening match. I know eventually we'll get some better matches out of Stone Cold, but this one was okay. Just okay is is my sentiments exactly. So Vince brings up how King messed with the Warrior, which led to his countout loss last week. Really didn't. He says that, he says he didn't do anything to to Warrior that you know he was helping a woman in distress. And he's like, anyway, they're gonna have a match at King of the Ring. The King shows off his new comic, which makes fun of the Warrior. I actually kind of like the King's comic. It looked pretty awesome. I thought that was funny. I thought that was pretty good. I'm just gonna say like it looked like an awesome comic to me. Then we get Mankind versus Barry Hollowitz, and this guy comes out to the most Jewish theme song you've ever heard in your entire life. <clears throat> and I laughed the entire time. I'm like, what in the fuck is going on? It's like somebody's having a mitzvah. I don't know. I'm terrible. Mm. I'm going to get yelled at by somebody. So Vince asks JR what he thinks about the upcoming match between Undertaker and Mankind. He says he thinks that the, uh, this is going to be the Undertaker's most difficult battle. Mankind is beaten uh, Barry Hollowitz all over the place. Then we go to break, and we're told that their tour is called the Adamant, uh, Attitude Adjustment Tour. And I'm like, hmm, I wonder where yeah. I've heard that before. So after right. the break, Mankind chokes, uh, chokes Barry into the ropes and, and teases a pile driver to the outside. Instead, he just pulls his own hair out. And after hitting an elbow drop into the corner, he goes for the mandible claw to end it. It was a Mankind squash match. So I give it a two. Any thoughts? I give it. A, it was a mankind squash match too. I also gave it a two. Also, I just think it's it's going to be interesting in the long run, knowing how mankind comes into this own little transformation. And plus, we get some really really great 
pay-per-views in the future. So let's see where this goes. If you guys don't already know. Yeah, we will see where it goes. So JR is in the ring and he wants a word with mankind. He says that Undertaker has never faced someone with nothing to lose. And he's and he goes on to say, Undertaker, you can't take my ear. It's already gone. You can't take my teeth. They're gone too. But of all the things I've already lost, I think my mind is the thing I miss the most. And at King of the Ring, Undertaker, you're going to lose it all. And he starts to squeal like a pig. Fantastic promo. That's funny. Some good stuff. I love that promo. I love that promo. Typical mankind. Fantastic. No, it's, uh, I, I, I'm glad that they, I, I think it was more or less Vince allowed him to do what he was going to do. And now it's something we miss in a lot of the, in a lot of what wrestling used to be. Used to be. Hence why we do the retro show. Yes, sir. So then we get footage for the world title match between Bulldog and HBK. It shows the double pin ending, which eventually is called a draw and then rescheduled for the upcoming pay-per-view. But my whole thing is, is it's clear as fucking day that both these dudes, were, it was a double pin and the ref's like, nah, man, this guy won. Nah, man, this guy won. What? Like, dude. And then my whole thing is Earl, like, look, Earl. Why in the hell are you saying that HBK won? His fucking shoulders were flat as a pancake, bro. Like, I don't get it. This was like a super clear double pin, and they're like, no, this guy won. No, this guy won. No, it was just a double pin. You know what I mean? But whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was good, though. I I think it was one of those one of those matches that kind of prolonged the the feud, and I think that was pretty cool. Uh, yeah, and so now we're going to see them go again at King of the Ring. Then we get a Gold Dust interview, and he and Vince recaps what happens last week. Says Oddman Johnson did not need mouth to mouth resuscitation, but Gold Dust did it anyway, which led to Oddman's rampage, laying out Bob Holly and Gold Dust security guard. Gold Dust quotes the color purple, which confuses Vince, obviously. Obviously, Vince asks Goldust, "Why do you?" He's like, "Why do you think I saved his life last week?" Goldust says, "He he says I gave him the breath of life." He says, "Which is the same thing any man with a heart would do." He says, "What did you want me to do? Let him expire?" Vince tells uh, Vince tells him Goldust, or Vince tells Goldust, he says, "But Odd Man didn't need mouth to mouth." And Gold, Goldust replies, "He says he did it because he gave him the satisfaction, much like satis- much like chocolate gives people satisfaction." Oh, he cool. says, according to the king, he says, Red Cross is going to give Goldust <laughs> a plaque for what he did because he acted in the same way a trained nurse would do. Goldust thanks his highness and says that at King of the Ring, it'll be him and the and the mighty man Dingo. And this time, Odd Man will melt in his hands, not in his mouth. And he'll never oh. forget the name Goldust. And I'm like, this whole thing was creepy. But there's been creepier Goldust promo, so I wasn't like super creeped out. Like, him and Roddy Piper was pretty it. bad. Yeah, him and Piper was pretty bad, but I fucking love this but one. The Mighty Man <laughs> Dingo. When he said the Mighty Man Dingo, I just started laughing. Dude, I was fucking rolling, dude. That was fucking comical. That was some good shit, though. Excellent promo work. So now we get the Godwins versus Techno Team 2000. Now, I will say this. The last time we saw Techno Team 2000, they did pretty okay. Not here. Not here. <sighs> so I, Sonny, guess you get, I guess you get one day to shine and another day to just look like crap. 
You're telling me, man. So Sonny is on commentary, and then we get the word that the Bonnie Donners are on the search for a new manager. They even give a P.O. box so that the viewers can send in their applications. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, this is so 1996. Sonny is furious that the right. Bonnie Donners want to replace her. I mean, I'm like, in all reality, I'm like, think about all the shows back in the day. Right into the show at P.O. Box. Da, 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 and like every other goddamn show did it. Hey, it's that's just, how I used to get my WWF magazine. Was it P.O. Box? P.O. Box. Nice. Because that's where I had to send my money to. <laughs> so uh, so Sunny is furious that the Bonnie Donners want to replace her. She says, who could replace me? Someone that She's like, someone that looks like me with my ring smart. She's like, they're going to be on a wild goose chase. Last time we saw Techno Team 2008 look half bad. Not, not here. Says they got beat by the Godwins in a match that no one cared about until they hit the slop drop. And uh, I give it a quarter star because it was there. And that's all it gets. I gave it a half a star simply because I got to see Sonny on the in the ringside. See, there was some kind of positive. I knew there was going to be some kind of positive. Well, there you go. Sonny's a positive. Yeah, Sonny is a positive. And I didn't say which half and I didn't say which half of her I like to look at. Hello. So hello. We, hello. And then we get Clarence Mason. He calls in and he talks about a case against Gorilla Monsoon for assault. Which the footage clearly shows that Monsoon is just guiding him away from Shawn Michaels, but Clarence says that he threw him down a flight of stairs. So he shows up on crutches, or he 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 says that he threw him down. And he looks like he fell down a flight of stairs. That's what I wrote. So he shows up on crutches and a neck break, and he has a long list of injuries, and he's unable to consort with his mate. If you know what I mean. I got it. So. We get the main event of the evening, and how in the world this is a fucking main event is beyond me. Jake the Snake Robert versus Hunter Hearst Helmsley in a, another first-round King of the Ring match. So my entire thought process in this whole thing is that Hunter is just going to beat this vet, and he's going to advance in the tournament, right? Wrong. Vince is obviously still mad about the infamous Madison Square Garment moment, better known as the hug that broke kayfabe. So Hunter does all the, all he can to outsmart Jake the Snake Roberts and avoid the DDT. But after we come back from the commercial break, Jake just hits the DDT out of nowhere and gets a really lazy pin, and that's it. Another, well, you know what? I gave this a star and a one and a quarter star. Uh, I said not a lot going on here. This is not what I would do considering this is a main event. But I guess. Jake had to go over, so maybe this was main event worthy? Question mark. What did you think? Yeah, well, that's that was just more or less the the what you mentioned already, the fact that Hunter was not going to get over, and it was pretty much a slap in his face to say, "Hey, guess what? You broke kayfabe. You went to a, a house show, and then all of a sudden this happened." And well, guess what? I'm going to punish you by not advancing you in the King of the Ring tournament. Now, what he could have done, in my view, had him win, maybe lose the following week. But no, he decided, I'm going to pretty much chop you down to size, let you know who runs this bitch. And, and well, that's what happened. That is what happened. So, that's WWF Raw for you. And uh, I give it one thumb down. This is this was not a good show. Yeah, I give nothing worthwhile. So you know, this was this was yeah, this was not even remotely nothing remotely good about it. 
it went real pretty quick. If you watch it, it was pretty much one of those things that went real faster than you uh, probably baking a pie. Like you, you. Like, it was so uneventful. Like it just it way by. And yep. I do mean like just like on that. a nitro, sir. Uh, on well, a nitro, I, sir. Well, really quick, I do want to praise Goldust and Mankind for having good promos, but that's about it. So yes, now on to Nitro, uh, episode thirty-eight or no, that's not right. This is episode forty-two. Oh no, I believe no, I'm right. No, no, it is episode thirty-eight of WCW Monday Night Nitro from June third, nineteen ninety-six, from Macon, Georgia. Larry Zabisco and Tony Schiavone opened up the first hour of Nitro. Tonight's main event is a tag title match between Sting and Luger taking on the Steiners. Tony brings up how Sting and Scott match last week blew up, and Zabisco replies with, the Steiners have no mental stability. Then we get told that the Rocket Roll Express are back in the WCW, and they're here to take on the four horsemen, Arn Anderson, Ric Flair. We're going to get a video of Kevin Green and Mongo's training, and Zabisco says that Flair is a master player of human chess. I wrote cheese. I don't know why. <laughs> I swear to God, I wrote cheese, not chess. Uh, and he's hmm, surrounded Somebody by- had cheese on their mind. Exactly. And he's surrounded by an endomorphic cyborg named Arn Anderson, and if they include the gray matter that it is Bobby the Brain Heenan, it'll be like having Joe Montana. So now we That's st- interesting. Right? That's a little bit interesting of an analogy considering the fact that um, both these guys play defense. And I don't think... But anyway, I don't know. Whatever. Weird analogies in wrestling. So now we get... And I'm going to say it like this. Some people are going to be like, what the fuck are you talking about? Big Bubba Rogers against John Tenta. Some people are already asking me what the fuck you're talking about. What do you mean, John Tenta? Let me get into this and I'll explain. Mean Gene is standing in the entranceway as the shark makes his way down. Gene points out that Big Bubba is standing in the ring with his cutoff hair, which apparently made Mean Gene physically ill. And I'm like, over getting a haircut? Get over yourself. Shark says that he had to relive the embarrassment every day as his neighbors would laugh at him as he walked outside to get the mail. He goes on to say that he is not a shark. I'm not a fish or an avalanche. I'm a man, a 500-pound man, and I'm going to hurt the man that shaved my head, and then I'm going to go on to shave the giant so he can be as embarrassed as I was. And so he goes down to the ring, and he chases Big Bubba around with a pair of scissors, and he somehow doesn't get DQ'd, and Big Bubba runs away, and what the fuck did I just watch? I give it a negative two stars. I want him to be a fish, goddammit. I don't care. I, this just sucked. I was a joke. I, I, want, I want, want him, him to, to be... create an earthquake. That's what I want him to do. Fuck the avalanche. Fuck the fish. I want him to create an earthquake. I want him to jump in the ring, jump around the body, come around, and then do that Yokozuna pretty much sit on the chest splash and get the victory. But no. Get in there. Get, get out. I get John Tenta. I fucking like John Tenta. <sighs> anyway, it's cool though. I'm glad. I'm glad at least. Uh, pretty much they're breaking their WWF. Uh, get rid of the characters, kind shit. of shit. Getting rid of the character bullshit. Which we end up finding out that WWF kind of goes a little bit more into characters later on, but that's different. So let's get into the next match, a match that I got really excited about, and that's High Voltage against the Faces of Fear. So these two dudes are from the power plant, and that's all I got. But they look big and strong, so hey, 
They looked the part. They had no intro music, uh, but a shit ton of pyro. This match should be a guideline on how to do squashes because it is a fucking five-star squash match. Barbarian gets beat up for a bit, but then he stops the momentum, and he just fucking hits a powerbomb because fuck you, that's why. And after an impressive dropkick by Ming, Barbarian hits a nice backbreaker. Then he hits an avalanche belly-to-belly suplex. They follow it up with their finish, a diving headbutt, which does not lead to the victory. But uh, the uh, the other guy in high impact jumped in to make the save, which he kind of wasn't supposed to. So Ming just super kicks this other dude, which they called the mafia kick. And that's the win. So I did call it a five-star squash match, uh, but my real rating is three and three-quarter stars. I love this match. It was great. Me and Barbarian killed these fuckers. It was a lot of fun. Well, let me tell you about high fidelity, high impact, whatever the hell their name is. High velocity. High velocity. Let me tell you high about voltage. them. High voltage. <laughs> Look, you could keep naming off all these names, but you know what? It ain't going to make I a difference because they ain't up. nobody. Not one of them or anybody. I didn't even know who the hell they were till I looked them up and I was like, hey, look, this is uh nobody. Exactly. So there you go. That was what that was all they were was a whole lot of nobody. It was a whole lot. Now I'm gonna be I'm gonna go kind of along the lines as you and pretty much say this match was pretty good. Even though it was a little awkward at times, but I love Ming and I love the barbarian together and the barbarian. God, so underrated at this time. Right. As big as a big man as he is, that dude can float float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. Yeah, he but just it was looks a good mean match and scary. Tonight. Yeah, he just looks mean and scary. So, All right. Well, then we get Mean Gene in the back. He's with the tag champs. They're going over what happened last week. And Luger is thrown off because Gene is talking about the tape. And he's like, is there footage up? He's like, yeah. Oh, so we're talking about the footage? I'm like, yes, dumb shit. God damn, you're a moron. And Luger says, oh, the footage will show that I got double teamed last week, and I was just out there to, to be on my friend's side because this is an important match to Sting who was out there in an important match. And I'm like, what? Like, lay off the coke, That's man. Exactly what that, that, that exact same thing was I was like, I had in that, like, that gif where the guy has all the little question marks that pop on his head. Oh, yeah, Nick Young. That's exactly what I had. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. Are, ooh. Exactly. So Luger goes on to say that uh, we've put, we um, say that we we had a week and cooler heads will prevail. Gene is questioning that cooler heads will prevail. Sting points out that uh, there was a bunch of footage that wasn't shown, and while Scotty had him up for a suplex on the outside, Luger showed up and kicked him in the gut. Gene says, "Yeah, you provoked him." Luger says, "You know, this hit me and the Steiners go back like what eight years." He's like, you know, would a real friend suplex you on the floor? I'm like, you clearly don't know wrestling fans because the answer is yes, and we tape it. Dumbass. And then that's when Rick Steiner barges in the room. He says, why did you cheap shot my brother last week? And Sting, backing up his friend, replies. He's like, well, he's like, if someone had legs up ready to suplex him on the floor, I might want to kick somebody in the gut too. So Scott jumps in sounding exactly like Big Papa Pump and says, I'll jack you in the ring if you come in there hot. Luger says he's, he barges into our dressing room. You mess up my interview and you think you hot, you had something last week? Well, tonight's going to get a little more intense. And a shoving match breaks out, leaving Mean Gene in a fury, demanding these managers relax. He says, I'll cut you. He's all, we'll cut you out of the shot and I'll never interview you again. You coming in here flying like a bunch of, I can't believe this thing. 
I can't believe Mean Gene. He's the greatest. Now, I know I said Scott Steiner sounded just like Big Papa Pup. That might make people think, well, isn't that the same dude? Yes, but right now you got you to remember Scott Steiner is this I'm a all-American wrestler baby face thing. He wasn't the ego Big Papa Pump yet. But this, like him, the way he sounded, he sounded like Big Papa Pump, like lots of ego. Very much so. It sounded like he was about ready to get into that Big Papa Pump mode. So, yeah, I'm, gonna jack you. You I'm, like, me. I'm like, bro, I'm not fucking with you, dog. Like... I was waiting for him to start doing push-ups and whatnot, you know, to get that, you know, you know, going. Oh, I hear you. Which, by the way, um, we we just reached like legit just today. It had already dropped over the weekend. There was news that Scott Steiner had actually like collapsed at an impact taping and all that. So we said it in the last show. We're going to say it in this show because he's such a big, awesome part of this show. Go out and. Like, send him your well wishes. You know, he, like I said, he had his stumble. He's getting better. Make sure, you know, wish him a speedy recovery. Tell him, you know, you care about him. Reach out to the man. The, that really does mean a lot. You think we're nobodies, but the fact is that we remember this guy who started wrestling in 86. We're in 96, for crying out loud, and it's 2020. So, you know, respect the guys before you. So go wish him, go wish him well. Wish him a speedy recovery. And then we get a Hogan clip that takes us to commercial. Why? Because it's fucking Hulk Hogan. And then we get this piece of shit. Piece of shit. (sighs) Disco Inferno versus Sergeant Craig Pitbull Pittman. So Pittman comes out and he's with Teddy Long. And dude, Teddy Long got fat. Now, maybe we've said this before. And I'm sure we have. But good goddamn. He looked like a big fella. And now they start the match, and then they fuck up an arm drag. And I stop to myself, and I think, how the hell do you fuck up an arm drag? Like, that's like day three wrestling school stuff. You know what I mean? But, so that happens, and then Disco lands a punch, and he celebrates like he knocked Pittman out. And that wasn't the case. They fight for a bit. Pittman throws Disco across... Uh, uh, throws him around, even hitting a gut red suplex. Apparently, Pittman has a head of steel that he calls the battering ram. Well, Disco hits him in the head, and it ends up hurting his hand. Pittman runs. He, uh, you know, he runs and fucking ludges head first into the gut of Disco Inferno. But then Pittman goes for the finish, which is called the code red. Fucking Disco Inferno virtually gives up before the hole can even be applied. That is the legit ending. Everyone is in utter confusion. Disco says, "I'm smart for him not letting me put in me for him not putting me in that thing. Otherwise, I couldn't do this doing the stupid hand waving thing that only Disco Inferno can do." So I don't rate this match. I said I'm not going to give it a negative rating because Pitbull beat the shit out of this guy. But for a bit, it was. I mean, and for that little bit, it was fine. Everything else was just bad. How do you fuck up an arm drag? That's day three wrestling school stuff. And that is one of those, you know, you just kind of like scratch your head and you're like, hmm, all right. But Pitbull had this whole thing, you know, it wasn't even anything else other than him beating the hell out of this dude. Oh, yeah. So any rating? I, I gave it I gave it a, I, I gave it a two. You gave it a two? 
Negative. Oh, thank two. Jesus Christ. Whew. I got scared for a minute. Anyway, as we go to commercial, we see uh, Lord Stephen Regal uh, on having an interview on Saturday night with Sting. He says that he's going to make an example out of Sting, so guys like him won't get overlooked anymore. So you just watch yourself, okay, Sunshine? Sting doesn't like to be called Sunshine, so he shoves Regal, and Regal retaliates with the greatest backhand pimp slap I've ever seen. Why wasn't this match on Nitro? Then we get Lord Steven Regal versus Hacksaw Jim Duggan, as Larry Zabisco says. As Duggan is coming out, Regal is outside the ring and says, you wonder why your country is in shambles. Look at this old chap. And then points out this old redneck in the crowd. Regal is walking around the ring just getting heat because that's just how great he is. Zabisco calls Jim Duggan, Jim Duggan, because now I'm going to start doing this because it's awesome. Duggan has a trio of clothesline, then Regal rolls outside to recover. Duggan with big punches and Regal is on the offensive, but as the crowd chants USA, Duggan fires up, and a thumb to the eye slows that down. Regal shells a shadow punch, and then there's a back body jump. Regal remain or sorry, Duggan remains in control until the Blue Buds hit the ring, causing a distraction. Duggan successfully tapes his fist and lays out the the Earl of Eaton on the apron, which allows Regal to get the roll-up win. And I love how Sabisco says uh, Duggan should be disqualified twice, once for the 2x4 and second for having his tape fist. Or his, his fist taped, excuse me. So I give this a 2. Most of that score is for Regal. Jim Dugan was beating the shit out of him until the Blue Bloods came out. I get it. It's USA versus all, but come on, man. It's Regal, but a cheap win is a win. Yeah, it was a cheap win, and mm-hmm. it was. You know what? It's Regal. It's all Regal, too, for me, too. Regal, Regal is just awesome in the ring and of course what's his face you know Jim Duggan is just Jim Duggan I Jim. love the legend but yeah I'm with you I love the legend too but uh yeah <laughs> so anyway Mean Gene is in the ring with Regal and the Blue Bloods and Gene says you were fined by WCW earlier Regal says yes I was fined very heavily a lot more than you peasants make in a year. But I saved WCW the trouble, so I paid double. Now I'm in bloody credit. I died when he said that, to the point where I've watched his interview five times already. And that was when I started writing this thing two days ago. So I probably have seen it like ten times by now. And that's a fucking shoot, because this is just the best. And then Gene shows the slap on Sting that led to the fine. Ringo says, he says, I could have done what every other idiotic wrestler would have done. Come out here, insulted Sting, his family, or his friends. He says, but that doesn't matter to Sting. The only person that matters to Sting is himself. Ringo goes on to say that at the Great American Bash, he wants Sting 100%, not half-hearted. He wants him mean, he wants him nasty, and he wants him downright rude. He says so he can beat Sting right there in the middle of his home. And I'm like, that's just fucking great. That's just fucking like his just Regal being Regal the last couple of weeks has been garnering him nominations for wrestler of the week. And this promo is 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 no exception. This promo alone garnered him another candidate uh, spot for wrestler of the week. Yeah, yeah, I think 
I, I think that puts him over. I'm he's, sorry. Anybody else is just, yeah. And nobody from WWE except, maybe except for Mankind, but that was kind of a I believe promo. I believe that's the only guy I have for Mankind. I'm going to go down really quick and let you know who I got. I have this is the this is the names I have so I apologize if we constantly sound biased every week but if you watch these shows it's not biased it's the god's honest truth. These are the six guys I have for the candidacy. Lord Steven Regal, Sting, Mankind, Steiner Brothers, The Rock and Roll Express and The Faces of Fear. It's just Nitro was that good of a show and I'm going to continue onwards so I can tell you why. So Let's see here. Actually, bam, here we go. Nope. I'm going to go down to check my other stuff. I fucked some stuff up. Here we go. So we did the Regal promo, and then we get the build to Kevin Sullivan and Chris Benoit. Chris has been telling Arn Anderson to not trust Sullivan, and every time he says it, Arn Sullivan gets in his face. Sullivan held his uh, held this dude on a table during Slamboree so he could be driven through it by Public Enemy. Now they're going to have a match at Great America Bash. That leads into Kevin Sullivan against Prince Iakea. For the first time, we're seeing Prince Iakea. An extra shiny Kevin Sullivan, kind of oiled up to the max tonight, is out there killing this poor kid, crotched him on the guardrail, splashes him into... Uh, splashes him and then turns into a tree of woe, finishes it off... With a double stomp to the cut, which Zabisco calls a reverse Heimlich maneuver. I gave it a one and a half. I said it was fine. He killed this dude. He was meant to leg strong. I just couldn't get into it. It was really distracting how fucking shiny he was. What do you got? Yeah, this this lead to Benoit and Sullivan is going to be interesting as soon as we get there. And I believe it's in a couple of weeks or something like that. It's <laughs> Sullivan looks. I, I like Prince Iakea, by the way. Well, uh, it's this is our first glimpse, but believe me, it won't be our last. And of course, it was not really a great showing by him, but we will see better from him. Yeah, as we go on, you know, eventually. Yeah, I, I'm with I, I'm with you. Kevin Sullivan looked like he was like at the beach and you know pumping up and you know. They just rubbed all kinds of Hawaiian tropics all over him, so. Yeah, something crazy like that. So, we get Mean Gene working his ass off tonight with his third interview. He's out there with Kevin Sullivan and Jimmy Hart. Hart says, I don't see why we have to get uh, why we have to jail ourselves with the horsemen. We got the WCW World Heavyweight Champion, the Giant. What else do we need, baby? Sullivan is rambling about a legal battle and Hulkamania not being dead, and he's worried about what's going to happen uh, to all the people he cares about and when he comes back, including Arn and Flair. Sullivan brings up how Pittman quit in the strap match and then says that he's going to get rid of Benoit to get rid of Hogan. What? Like, I, that, what? That doesn't make no fucking sense. Ben, and Benoit and Hogan are two different people, bro. Two different people. Yeah, that promo was pretty much out there. I don't even know what to say about it other than Callum Sullivan must have been on a good one because he didn't know who the hell was who. No, he did not. Was messing up either his words, and he just looked very, very confused. Very, very confused is a understatement. So then we get the Rock and Roll Express. Yes, the Rock and Roll Express against Arn Anderson, and that is Ricky Morton and Robert Gibson. 
that Rock and Roll Express. So, Flair comes out in a Kevin Green jersey and Arn in a Mongo McMichael jersey. This match feels straight out of NWA. I say that all the time in WCW, but hail, that's where this company came from, NWA. We get told that at the top of the hour, this place will explode, and they were not joking. It was a countdown to fucking Pyro in the middle of a match. Arn is like, what the fuck is going on? And then the match actually happens. Arn had control, but Morton is able to get, uh, to get it back. Flair gets the tag. And Mort, uh, Morton and Flair have a great strike exchange in the corner. Then a back body drop. And now Robert Gibson is in and he takes control. I wrote so much about this match. The, the horsemen roll outside to get a breather. Arn and Gibson go back and forth. And then there's a cross body by Gibson. Flair tags in, but the Rock and Roll Express, uh, rock and roll express do a, a dual figure four. And then Randy Anderson, the ref... Uh, the referee is in the match, and he's having a shoving match with Ric Flair, which Rick Flair ends up taking a big bump on the outside because of it as we get as we go to break. Flair and Morton have a great back and forth, and then Arn comes in to beat on Morton, even running his face into the mat, and then Morton gets attacked by Flair while on the outside. Arn works over the arm of Morton, even using a stump puller to his injured arm. Morton fights out of the arm ringer, but gets uh, his legs trapped by Flair, so he can't make the tag. And then he gets hit with a spine buster by Arn, and Gibson comes in to make the save. Bischoff and Heenan keep talking about Heenan managing the horseman at Great American Bash, and then there's a nice stalling suplex by Ric Flair. Uh, apparently, Savage is allowed to work indies while banned from WCW, because they keep saying, if, as long as this doesn't have a camera, you're fine. I'm like, uh, okay. So Ricky Morton fights out of a hold and goes for a sleeper hold. But Arn turns it into a side suplex and Flair comes in and goes right for the figure four. Morton reverses it into a small package for a near fall. Morton is able to push Arn into the corner, but Arn knocks Gibson down so no tag is made. Heenan leaves the commentary table to tell Flair's lady something and then walks off. Gibson gets the hot tag and is laying everybody out. Double drop kick by the Rock and Roll Express. Home is on the apron, and she rakes the eyes of Gibson, which leads to Arn hitting the DDT so Flair can get the cover. I said, fantastic. Great match. This was fun and old school. The greatest teams at their best. Great heel win. I gave it, are you ready for this? Four and a quarter star. I was up there with you. I gave it four stars, of course. Of course, this is a very vintage NWA match. We get the Rock and Roll Express. We get Arn Anderson. We get, of course, the man, Ric Flair. And it's very much a throwback match. Very good. The pyro at the beginning in somewhere where I should not have happened. But, hey, it is what it is. It was a very classic NWA match all together. I loved it. As did I. As did I. So then we get a mean Gene. He's back out for another interview. He's out to interview the winners. Arn says, you know, they're too big and thick to play football because Arn's jersey had his chest up to his neck. He says his 10-year-old son could barely get that over his head, if you know what I mean. Arn says, not only are they stronger and better athletes, they're just too big. I said, I love that line. Gene asked Flair where they got the jerseys. He replied, they were a gift from Deborah McMichael, Mongo's wife. Flair says that there. Uh, he says Flair says there's uh, this. This goes out to the Panthers. Hell, to the NFL. It doesn't matter. We are bigger, faster, and sleeker, and we're all night long. 
Heenan joins the group and says that he's been dodged. And then Gene says, you've been dodging the question all this time, so I'm going to ask you again. Are you going to manage these guys or what? Heenan says he's been approached by every organization and even lots of talent. He says uh, since he stopped managing, he's been offered money, houses, and cars to, uh, to manage again. He says, but he promised himself he wouldn't manage again, and he's going to keep that promise. He then walks off, but comes right back with a briefcase that reveals a trophy. A trophy he won with John Madden that says that uh, they, it, he won't manage, but he will coach Arn and Flair at the Great American Bash. He says that Green and McMichaels haven't been out coached until they go against Bobby the Brain Heenan. And I apologize, I'm a little distracted right now. They just screwed over heavy machinery in the fashion I knew they were going to do. They made my man Otis look like a fucking geek. And I'm not happy. So Heenan says this co- this one-time co- this is a one-time coaching thing. He's going to do it to show these football guys that this is a tougher sport. Then we get a Hogan ve- uh, video with his terrible theme. This video is mainly him beating up Vader, which is no longer with the company, and him on a Harley. So what did you think of this segment? It this, was interesting. This mean I like it's with scheme gene. Yeah, it was interesting. You know, it's it it's typical Ric Flair. You know, Bobby the Brain Heenan finally got to speak on it. I thought it was pretty cool. I do too. So we get up next the WCW World Championship match. Ice trained against the Giant, and when I saw this, I'm like, oh, this should be great. Ice train Ice Train's theme is great. I love it. Ice Train leans against the ropes, and Jimmy Hart attacks his legs, and then he gets choke slammed, and it's over. And I'm like, what the fuck did I just watch? Why did you just kill this dude? Like, there's a... I gave it a dud. I didn't give it negatives. I just gave it dud. I just gave it a zero. I hated it altogether. I was just like, yeah, no. At least something, but we got nothing, and it was like over and... Don't go to the bathroom. Don't take too long. Don't even wash your hands because, you know, you might miss it. Yeah. So I said, okay, first off, what the fuck? Like, why use this dude as a jobber when there's plenty of other geeks in the back? You had something in Ice Train now? I don't know. Then Scott Norton comes out because he's pissed that this his fucking tag team partner just got beat up. And, well, who can blame him? He ends up getting choke slammed for his troubles. And then he gets choke slammed again because the Giants dick. Giant says, why are you guys running video packages of Hogan when I'm the world champ? He named Sting, Lex, and Savage as guys he took out, and he finishes his promo by telling Lex Luger to come get some. You're mine. So we come back from commercial break, and apparently Scott Norman was supposed to wrestle Hugh Morris, and then Hugh Morris's music hits, and he's ready for action, and Morris climbs on the apron, and the medic fucking just runs for his life. He fucking, dude, you thought he was running a 40 from the ring to the apron. He was gone. So, officially, which I don't remember hearing the bell to start this. Let me make that fucking 1 million percent clear. I do not remember hearing a bell to start this. Okay. I don't even remember hearing one either. So, Morris comes in and he pins this dude with his fucking finger. And again, no bill, yet the ref counted. And then I remembered, oh shit, it's fucking Nick Patrick. 
<sighs> Norton barely moved, and now, as Morris goes for this moonsault, Norton is up on his feet. He tries to catch Morris off the moonsault. He drops him because Morris isn't a fucking cruiserweight. And then Norton just clubbers this dude for the win. And I'm like, okay, because I didn't hear Bill, this isn't a fucking match. I'm not going to rate it. Norton tried to look strong in the end, but obviously wasn't in the right spot, so this whole thing didn't work. They're both geeks in my mind right now. Geek. Fuck Nate Patrick. <sighs> I fucking hate you, bro. Like, oh my god. The bane of my fucking existence. So, I gotta talk about this fucking... We get to the Kevin Green Mongo training footage. And apparently WCW's ring is 16 by 16. I'm pretty sure WWF is a 20 by 20. I just, I'm, I'm just saying. I'm not saying it like, oh, bigger, whatever. I just, I, I figured they were a smaller ring. It looked like a smaller ring, but I didn't really know. Now I'm clarified. I anyway. don't know. It doesn't, it, it, it looks really about the same size, but I guess maybe I'm wrong. I mean, it, it definitely looks a lot bigger than most people's like eight by eight, like MLW and shit like that. They got these little itty bitty tiny rings. But anyway, so these football guys are in the ring, like a couple of cavemen slapping the ropes into turnbuckles. You know, I was like, and men were they just taking the worst bumps I've ever seen. They're landing funny and doing all kinds of just bad shit. And I'm like, you know what? I was like, I get you. You don't want to get hurt. I'm you don't want to get hurt. I'm like, but taking bumps wrong is the first place you're going to get hurt. Like if you can take every move in the world perfectly, as long as the guy takes care of you, if you don't know how to land, you're the first dude to get hurt because you don't know what the fuck you're doing. And that's why I'm like, Oh, these guys are going to get murdered. Like I'm just looking at, like Kevin Green tried to take a bump and he's taking it like in the middle of his back. He's not trying to let his chin hit at all. He's not trying to let his shoulders touch at all. And I'm like, oh, dude, like you you want like to throw your back out at, you know, two more years into the NFL. It just, oh, it looks, looks, looks so bad. So then now they're working on their game plan. And of course, Green is all, he's thinking about sacks and tackles for loss. And Mongo explains, well, that's not how this works, man. He's like, you got to watch out for the figure four. You got to watch out for their DDT. And he, uh, they figure out that they can't be on the same page. So Green's like, I want to beat the shit out of him. Mongo wants to strategize. They decided that they need a coach. And the first dude that comes to mind is Mr. Slim Jim himself, the Macho Man Randy Savage. So I guess we'll see next week if what he says. But we didn't have to wait till next week. We get an answer later on, and I'll get to that. What did you think of this segment, though? Did this feel straight out of the 80s? It felt very much straight out of the 80s and... It looked horrible. I mean, I'm with you on the bumps. It was pretty much bad. Um, it could have been a whole lot better, but hey, you know what? If this is their strategy to show, you know, Ric Flair and Arn Anderson that they aren't really that good and then show up later on and all of a sudden they are good, it's just good know. strategy, good ploy, good I guess, something. if you want to call it that. Yeah, something like that. So we'll get into the, I believe this is the main event. Yes, it is the main event in the evening. The WCW World Tag Team title match. Sting and Luger, the tag champs, taking on the Steiner Brothers. Again, Luger was without the TV title. And I'm like, are you ashamed of being a double champ? 
So Scott Steiner and Lex Luger have a stare down as we get a phone call from Savage. Savage is on the phone. Says the WCW says I can't wrestle on TV or pay per view, and but it doesn't say anything about coaching. So he'll be in the corner of Kevin Green and Mongo McMichael at the pay per view. Heenan gets on the phone trying to reason with Michael, uh, trying to reason with Mon- uh, with uh, Macho. Excuse me, saying his beef is with Elizabeth and Flair. Please stay out of this. Then says what Elizabeth did to you is shouldn't be done to any man. Yet he was praising how she sp- how she spent his money every week. Macho Man says they're going to tear the horsemen apart, and there's nothing you can do about it. During this phone call, Sting and Luger have a great exchange, and Scotty with the suplexes, Sting necking Scott Steiner on the ropes before tagging in Luger. Luger had the momentum, as I just had. There we go. Luger had the momentum, but Scott uh, stops it with a forearm and uh, and then a forearm to the back and a double underhook powerbomb. Heenan is begging for Savage to get Savage back on the phone, and when we get back, Rick. Rick Steiner is in the ring, and he's working over the arm of Luger. Leaping clothesline and a near fall by Rick, and he's on the second rope for a belly-to-belly, and then a top rope bulldog, but Sting breaks up the count. Sting comes in with a hot tag and hits a Stinger splash, then right into the deathlock, but Scott comes in and hammers him with a clothesline to break it up. Belly-to-belly by Scott and Sting, uh, and he sits him on the top rope, going for the Hurricane Rana, but Luger makes the save... When both men get up, Sting is able to hit a reverse DDT. Wow, I, I'm hold on. Uh, that really just that was terrible. It's old school right there. But anyway, sorry, I got distracted by fucking elimination chamber. Belly to belly suplex sits him on the top rope, goes for the Hurricane Rana. Luger makes the save. When both men get up, Sting is able to hit the reverse DDT. Later named to be the Scorpion Death uh, Drop. Luger comes in and he's all over. He's all over him. Hits a power, uh, is all over Scott Steiner. Hits a power slam, then goes for the torture rack. But Rick is quick to break up the tag, to break up the maneuver. Luger and Scott are battling outside. Luger goes for a suplex on the outside, but Rick boots him in the gut, just like last week, but vice versa. This match is out of control. Everyone is in the ring, and of course, Nick Patrick is not doing a motherfucking thing because that's Nick Patrick. Sting and Rick are outside, and Sting wants to pile drive Rick on the concrete, but it's reversed, and now the giant is out there, and he gives. Rick Steiner, the worst slash safest choke slam on the concrete I've ever seen, and the match gets thrown out all of a sudden. Everyone but Rick is in the ring, and they're beating up the giant. Scott's, uh, Scott and Sting whip Luger into the giant to send him over the ropes, and the faces stand tall at the end of this. So this match got the same rating I gave, I believe it was the, the rock and roll match with uh, Arn and Rick. Uh, with Arn and, uh, Rick. Uh, four and a quarter. I love this match. This is a main event. I don't care that the giant came out. It helped build the pay-per-view. Um, Scotty and I said, and, and to have Scotty work with Luger and Sting in the end is even better. The call from Savage was not as big of a distraction as I was thinking it would be. It was a very interesting ending. And I'll mind you, everything that happened afterwards and the whole you know, giant coming out, them working together was cool. I thought it was very much old school, very old school. If you really want to look at it like that, I thought it was. I thought it was awesome. I gave it a four. Very classic, very classic WCW, and I enjoyed it. I thoroughly enjoyed it all. 
As did I. As did I. So, Heenan is still begging Savage not to come to the pay-per-view. He's willing to give him his Madden trophy and two more with his name on them. Hell, whatever you want. Dinner, it's on me. Then we see a very recognizable person walk through the crowd and up to the announcer's table. Heenan bolts and Bischoff stands up to Hall, but then gets shoved back down. Hall says he had such a good time last week, he came back for more. Hall says you wanted to go you wanted a war? You wanted to start one? Well, we're here to finish it. Bischoff says, who is we? Nash replies, you know who we are. Sting comes out and confronts Hall and says, you came out here last week and said some nasty things about Savage, Hogan, and the Stinger. He says, "He says, do you know where you are? You're in the jungle, baby. He says, this is WCW. You want our three best? He says, well, I don't see two more with you. I just see you and me. So let's do this right here, right now. Hall says, you want to fight? Yeah? Well, you got one. No one's going to tell me when to do it either. He's a when to do it or either how to do it or when to do it. So he throws his toothpick at Sting and Sting gets pissed off and slaps the taste out of Hall's mouth. Hall says, okay, tough guy. Next week, I got a big surprise for you. And Sting doesn't give a shit. He's like, I'm right here right now. Fuck next week. And that's how the show ends. I love this goddamn show. I'll give it two thumbs up. I actually felt like it went the whole two hours this time, but it was mostly good, and the ending was great. Good job. Yeah, I thought it was really, really good. I ten times better than W than end than uh, Nitro, WWF than Raw. Than Raw. It was by far probably one of the best shows that they've had. It's awesome going forward. It's awesome going forward to see what happens next. We're anticipating. Anticipating indeed. So that's it. That is Raw and Nitro. That is the Retro Rewind. Again, here are my... Actually, you know what, Paul? I never asked you who your wrestler of the week, wrestlers of the week are. So I want to start with yours. Who you got as your candidates for us of the week? Uh, I had Mankind and uh, William Regal. Right on. Okay, so Mankind, William Regal, he's sticking with my gigantic group. My gigantic group will go up on the RWT page. If you're following us on Facebook, you should have a direct link to the RWT page already where the voting goes down. It also goes down a little bit on Twitter and everywhere else. So just check all the social media. So again, the candidates for this week go as follows. Lord Steven Regal, Sting, Mankind, Steiner Brothers, Rock and Roll Express, and the Faces of Fear. Make sure you get your votes in. This show drops tomorrow morning, so the voting ends quickly. It goes all the way to about 5 a.m., and then it ends because, you know, I have to, have to put the goddamn show together. So, with all that being said, Paul, let's hit him with some plugs, and let's get the heck on out of here. Of course, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter under the same name, RWT underscore Deadman. My, like my friend Michael Larkin over there, who knows how to send me stuff. I like it. I share it, of course. Tag me in it. I retweet it. Send it to me inside my Instagram. I promise you I will share it on my stories and on my page if it is something interesting that I think everybody should like and follow. Of course, Mr. Moses Marquez, take us home. Absolutely, my guy. So you guys know the drill. Wrestler of the Week's theme will end this show. So if you're not familiar with whose theme it is, just check the description down below, and the winner should be at the very top. Make sure you are checking us out on all platforms of social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, SMRPodNet, SoundCloud.com, and Anchor.fm forward slash SMRPodNet are the easiest places to find these shows. We're available on Spotify, on SoundCloud, 
on the fucking Apple, iTunes, Google Play, and of course the new number one place for podcasts, iHeartRadio. So, with all that being said, you guys, we're going to get on out of here. We hope you're watching Elimination Chamber. I will be going live later tonight to talk about this show. So, we hope to catch you live in the Facebook page. So, with all that being said, we'll catch you all around the bend. Peace out. Dead man. Ouch.